overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Good evening, and welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. Hello, Laura. Hello. Did you make it through... um, May Simber or Ooh, whatever they call it. I feel like I'm still a little bit in it, um, but we made it through. There were a lot of sign-up geniuses. There were a lot of events. I um, did multiple wet events, which is not my favorite, like standing by a slide and going to kindergarten splash day. I probably said this on the last podcast. If not, I've said it like to 72 people at church, mm. um, but Molly Dykstra sent us a (laughs) email regarding Jerusalem Project meals for the junior high youth in May for July. And I called her on the phone in a panic. And the first words out of my mouth were, your email could not have come at a worse time. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was May. Because it was May. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was stretched thin and pushed to the limit. But also, I am crediting... Molly, for when I eventually write my memoirs, the title of the book will be Your Email Could Not Have Come at a Worse Time. Mm, Good one. (laughs) Now, my title will be, because Molly also emailed me and said Porter is going to go as a youth helper to Jerusalem Project, which which is a junior high trip. And I'm also going to ask you, meaning me, Laura, to help with a meal. The title of my memoir will be I didn't like what you said, so I ignored it and didn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> and that feels true to me, Laura. Uh-huh. I feel like that's that's a lot. Or I didn't want to disappoint you with my bad information that I don't want to do that, or I can't make your thing, so I don't respond. Yes, but it's what you healthy did, adults do. It is, but I will also say I credit Laura for talking me off the ledge. Um, the same the same night where I was spinning out of control to Molly Dykstra, Laura talked me down and she's like, you buy three frozen lasagnas from Sam's, some bag salad, some French bread, and you call it a day. Yeah. Like, Their expectations know, are not high. The, the expectations are really low here. Yeah. That, that really helped because well, I felt like that was something I could do. So. I'm here to do for others what I cannot do in my own mind. It's funny that you didn't mention to me that you're like, yeah, I don't feel like I have margin for that either. I didn't. She had not emailed me at the point that I was talking to you. That was after we had made you jokes felt like on the thread. You were loose and fancy I was like, free. I don't have to worry about that. My I'll kid is talk, going as a volunteer. I'll just talk her down. It'll <laughs> this be is fun. not a big deal. This is not a big deal. Anyway, well, Laura and I are super excited because once again, we are going to be doing um, kind of an embarrassment of riches live for the fall kickoff women's ministry brunch on August 19th. August 19th, Saturday. Yes. So we're super excited about that. We haven't really started planning. We are for sure not going to make any videos like we tried last summer. That got shot down immediately. (laughs) 
They did not think it was funny. Our test audience did not think it was funny. No, it'll be fun. It's going to be really um, similar. It's a, a panel of women, and we kind of have a theme that fits the women that are going to talk. And this year, the space can hold 200 people versus being capped at whatever lesser it number like it was last year. I think it was capped at 150. So that's so, fantastic. And that's that's super exciting. So we hope you plan to join us and mark your calendars now. And then also, tonight we have a special guest. And I love it whenever we get um, Embarrassment of Riches super fans. And tonight we have an Embarrassment of Riches <laughs> super fan, Terry Dester. Welcome, Yay. Terry. Hello, hello. <laughs> and just, just shamed me that I didn't know that you were a super fan mm-hmm. because I'm bad at social media. So I've never seen your kind comments. I, I will think. say I just finished reading Pride and Prejudice where um, – Mr. Darcy mm. says something about how he's bad at like, you know, making pleasantries and like small talk. And Elizabeth um, says to him, it's because you never tried. Mm. <laughs> yes, I could try at social media. I just don't think I care to be good at it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But then you miss out on the encouraging words of sweet Terry Dester. So well, thank um, you for being whenever, here. whenever I, whenever I feel like this is a lot of work and is anyone even listening? I'm like, we got to make it for Terry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> At least we got to make it for Terry. She's one of our tens. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Tens of listeners. So Terry, um, why don't you kind of give us just like the reader's digest five sentence story of your youth? Yeah, I know. I know. And, um, and then how you ended up at DBC. Oh my goodness, five seconds? Five sentences. Five sentences. Yeah, and it doesn't happen. I, I gave you permission to do I'm more not than counting that. you. I'm just saying we don't need, like, I was born on a dark and stormy <laughs> night. That's okay without that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was born in Big Spring, Texas. Mm-hmm. I moved nine times before I was a year old. Oh, wow. In 19, I'll give you the quick version here. In sure. 1968, we moved to California from West Texas. My mom thought we were moving to the end of the world. Mm. You know, you essentially were hippies, and we'd have to keep our doors and windows barred, and gotta keep the hippies out. But we moved to the valley of California, and it was mostly Oklahoma people, so it worked out great. Uh, Went seventh and eighth grade, seventh grade there, part of eighth grade. Moved to Wyoming. Moved to Columbus, Texas. Was there a reason for all the moves? My dad. Did oil field work. Okay. So that was my growing up. Uh, high school, I went to three high schools. My Goodness. The summer between, this will explain a lot about me. Summer between my junior and senior year, we moved uh, from Bryan, Texas, Bryan College Station, to Riverton, Wyoming, hmm. uh, which was... I felt like a godforsaken land. It was just... So it, not all of Wyoming is beautiful? It's beautiful, but when you're 17 you years old... You want people. Old, you don't and, care if there's mountains. Yeah. Anyway, and you just... And I never... Did the other moves spent, bother you? All the From junior high on, they okay. did. You know, because I'd just get friends and just mm-hmm. get established, and then we would move again. And so you just start over. Uh, I loved the adventure. It made me outgoing. Because mm-hmm. I had to find a friend the first day, mm. because I might leave the next day. Mm. So that it pulled me out of my shell, and I did that. But then I built relationships, got involved in activities, and then we were moved. 
we had to move again. But through all this, uh, you know, we always were in churches too. That was my mom's goal. I mean, we, she enrolled us in school. She'd get us in a church immediately, a small church that we could be involved in. Uh, so I had a good, firm, biblical foundation there. Uh, but the move from Bryan, Texas to Riverton, Wyoming, I think I cried the whole way. Uh-huh. Uh, telling my dad that as soon as we arrived, I would get a job, graduate, and move back to Texas. Mm -hmm. That was just what was going to happen. I mean, who wouldn't? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We we arrived there. I uh, got a job as an assistant bookkeeper at 17 years old. Oh, like a real job. A real job. And uh, when I – because the school – Texas schools were a lot better than the Wyoming schools, and I had everything I needed to graduate except a half a credit of whatever I wanted. So I did business and office classes, shorthand, bookkeeping, and and did that. Um, But lo and behold, within a couple of weeks of moving there, I met this really nice young man Mm. that worked with my dad and uh, fell madly in love, Mm. or thought I did. I did. Met him in so sept- Texas became a little bit less appealing. Yes, and he was from Ponca City, Oklahoma. And I uh, met him in September. We, I graduated from high school. I turned 18 January 15th, graduated from high school January 25th, oh, and wow. we got married February 3rd. Oh, and I wow. was 18 years old. Now, that is young, mm-hmm. but... A lot of my friends did get married. It was a different time. It was a different my time. Parents were ni- my parents were 19. Yeah, it was 1974. Uh, with, um, we got married with the stipulation that we would go back, we would move back to Norman, and Steve would go back to school at OU. And so that's what we did. Come August, we moved to Norman, uh, and our married life continued. I don't know if you want me to stop there, if you want to kind of give sure. you, let's, you. Let's come back to that <laughs> okay. because I already know your yeah. story, okay. so let's come yeah. back. Okay. We'll circle back. Tell us how you ended up at DBC. Okay. Uh, we, Larry, my current husband, uh, retired in June. See, there's a mystery in there. Yes, there is. <laughs> in June of 2019, and I promised him that we would not make any decisions for one year on what Mm. we were going to do. However, since Jack Krush was born, I had made the trip from Ponca City to Dallas every four to six weeks. So that 300, that 600 mile round trip was being made quite frequently. So my heart's desire was to move to this area, to Dallas. And my husband, however, had never left 20 miles of that area. Mm. He was a farmer, hunter, gatherer, Mm -hmm. all those things. Uh, So I promised him that in June. By October, we were looking at houses. In December 11th, we closed on our house two miles north of DBC. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, So that's December 2019. 2019. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. And then we began... uh, visiting churches, uh, 
and we would go to one church and then my daughter had suggested we visit DBC so we went to DBC and loved it our first time there and then we went to another church and then it seemed like every other Sunday we were back at DBC mm-hmm. and so they had the discover class we went to it and made a decision right then this mm-hmm. was where God was calling us um, it would just it fit our needs and we felt like we had something to offer too. Join the Connect class and David and Mary, of course, uh-huh. just wrapped us around their arms and and loved on us. And I think we went to two or three classes and then the world shut down uh-huh. in March. In fact, we had an appointment with Ryan Turner to interview to be a member uh-huh. and the Sunday that was no more, that no more COVID hit. And so we didn't do that. Um, but... Uh, Mary and David started... We'd One of my favorite COVID memories, sorry to oh, interject ahead. here, but is that the Sunday before, so I'm going to say like circa March 8th, 2020, mm-hmm. um, that I think that feels right. I want you to j- date check me. See if, okay. if, if it was Sunday was March 8th. I think okay, it was. It. I mean, I'm a freak show if I know that, but um, I think Sunday, March 8th, which was like the world shut down. You are correct. Boom. Okay. The world shut down approximately one week and one day later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like the Monday. Cause I, I, when Dallas shut the, well, threatened to shut the liquor stores and did shut the restaurants. <laughs> that's what I count as shutting the world down. Exactly. When the restaurants are not open. And you can't for, buy your liquor. And you can't buy liquor. Everything's basically closed. Everything's All over. joy is done. All, yes. Right. <laughs> Um, but that Sunday before, the last Sunday we were all at church normal pre-COVID, Don Moody was serving donuts, and I re- and COVID was kind of a thing. And I remember thinking, "This is gross." <laughs> <laughs> all those little kids with their little hands with the donut holes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Ew." Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I don't need a donut that I bad. I don't want a donut. Yeah. Anyway. Now we serve, what's interesting is that's what we did the week before COVID. Then as soon as we opened the doors back up and people are like wearing masks, we're like, also, we're going to serve donuts every week. Sure. Let's get it. Let's <laughs> we never get it. did that before COVID, remember? Like that, what? That the we donuts. Served? We didn't have the donuts until after COVID. Oh, really? Sometimes people would have like random. Oh, that's right. I remember like rando, that. Like coffee cake, but it wasn't yeah. like the donuts every week. Yeah. It was I like remember a, that now. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's fine. You were supposed to meet with Ryan Turner. Didn't happen. Happen. But we we did. We just moved from being in the same kind of place for a long time. Mm -hmm. You moved to Dallas. Mm -hmm. The world shuts down. Yep. And so then we did the Connect class, uh, and we zoomed every Sunday for till the church reopened. Oh wow! And uh, it ended up being about five couples or so, but. Uh, and I then we you did were a so glad group. that you had, I mean, as hard as it was uh, to have made the move, right? I'm guessing you were so glad to be closer to family yes. and grandkids. Yes. Um, and it was, it was great, except now my grandkids are at home and my mm. daughter's having to homeschool and my son-in-law's working from home and Karen and I can't go shopping and we can't have mm-hmm. lunch and we can't do anything. And... I have no friends and I miss my friends mm-hmm. and Larry misses hunting and mm-hmm. we just, you know, all of there those things. There were some hard parts of it. It was hard, but, uh, we obviously got through it and 
thankful to the people from DBC. We had a life group we Zoomed with. We had the Connect mm-hmm. class we Zoomed with. Uh, I had gone to Bible study like three times maybe or four, and we we Zoomed and we would meet in the parks when mm. that became acceptable in the spring or the summer, whenever that was. Uh, so by the time the church reopened, I feel like I we knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, jumped in and did whatever we felt we could now, do. Now, um, I always tout you as a, um, a Embarrassment of Riches super fan. Tell us what how that was during the pandemic. Well, I wanted to meet people. That's what I've always wanted to do. So I heard about the Embarrassment of Riches podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was, so I had to figure <laughs> that out. But I did, got it on my phone, and I just went through, and I would listen to every one of them, went from, from back to the beginning. And so I got a little insight into not only each individual person you interviewed, but uh, their part in the church and what DBC did. And mm-hmm. one thing that really impressed me, I think it was Annie Mooney's mm-hmm. uh, She's podcast. She's pretty impressive. Yeah, that she moved here and started the Freedom Prayer. Mm-hmm. And I was, I just love that the church, she mm-hmm. wanted to do that, and they supported it. And then I've started hearing of other ministries, people will bring it and the church will support Mm -hmm. it. You know, you do it, but we're going to come beside Mm -hmm. you. And I mean, we, I mean, we feel that way about this ministry. Like, like this was like Laura and I just love podcasts. Absolutely. And I just always have believed that's the way ministry is. Years ago, I did an experiencing God, uh, Henry Blackaby study. And the one thing that stuck with me is, See where God's working and join him there. And Mm. if we do that, and if God's not working there, then maybe this ministry has come to an end and Mm -hmm. something else. But we need to, when God's working, you need to join him right then. Mm -hmm. Don't, well, I'll put it on my schedule and see if this is Mm going to work out down the road. Uh, and for a church to do that, because I've been in bureaucratic churches where, well, we got to go through committees and we got to do this. Mm-hmm. And do we have somebody that's going to sponsor it? And, you know, but to say, OK, if you have that vision, we're going to pray with you and we're going to support you and we're going to see if we Terry, can we always off. joke that we're not sure if anybody at the church actually listens to the podcast because we feel like they would <laughs> shut us down. No, <laughs> uh, that's OK. We'll be we'll be the best kept that's secret right. from the staff. We love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, I'm, I'm, so I have been Facebook friends with Terry for three years. Um, (laughs) because like I said, she's like Julie Hess level encouragement, just so sweet, always comments on the podcast. And, and that isn't, um, now again, I, it, it certainly helps my ego because there's times where I'm like, why are we even doing this? Does anyone listen to this? But, but more than that, I appreciate that for the people that like are vulnerable enough to share their stories Mm -hmm. that when people comment on it, it's like, they didn't just throw that into the abyss that like that Mm -hmm. touched somebody. And you Mm -hmm. are so good about just like encouraging those women that have Mm -hmm. shared their story that like took a risk to like Mm -hmm. share a hard part of their life. And, um, and so anyway, I just love that about you. So I have loved, I have loved Terry for a long time before I even knew her. And then I met her 
at the women's retreat this year, and I think um, we are thick as thieves in like five minutes. Aww. So <laughs> <laughs> she, we're she's our people, Laura. Nice. Except for you, go to women's retreats. So I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, that's a joke. That's a, no, you know what? You know what's funny, Laura? You know what's funny? When I met Terry, um, like I was like, "Oh, Terry!" Yeah, like you, you know, like because <laughs> you know, and um, she's like, "Is is your friend Laura here?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> that's all right. That, do you not. remember saying that? Oh, to yeah. Me? yeah. She's like, "Is Laura here?" And I'm like, "No, nope, no, she's not. She I, can't hang. She no, can't hang at cool the women's That's all right. None of the ladies in my life group could either. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, okay, so let's circle back um, where where you left off. So I because at the women's retreat, Terry actually shared her testimony. Mm. So I do know like some of that too, not just like Facebook comments, mm-hmm. Terry, but also like she shared her testimony a little bit there. Um, you, like, obviously you mentioned there are two husbands. Um, and I think I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you, but some of your pain point comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have to be a question. I can just make it a, well, and when you first got married, Mm -hmm. um, would you have considered yourself someone who was walking with the Lord? Yes. Okay. Well, I was 18 Mm -hmm. and like I said, I cried all the way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look back and I'm thinking, so do I fall in love and get married because I wanted out? Mm. Uh, my parents are really good people, mm. hard workers, providers, but they, you know, their t- family of origin was rough and mm. farmers and sharecroppers. And they, their number one priority was to raise us. Mm as solid Christian people. And uh, anyway, I want, my dream as a child was to live in a two-story house with a white picket fence Mm. and have two, and have two kids and be a stay-at-home mom. That's Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do. Uh, And I know nowadays that probably wouldn't be what women should want, but that's really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, met Steve, and he was a wonderful man, and I did love him, and he did love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we moved back to Norman. I got on in the accounting department at OU. He went back to school. But Steve wasn't a believer at the time. Was not. He was not. He grew up in church, but it was just a go to church with yeah. his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we so we moved back to Norman, and it was rough. We had a rough couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still growing up. We were still growing up, and he he had gone to school before. The reason he was working was he had been put on scholastic probation, so he was back, and he was determined to go to OU because it was a family tradition to go to OU. Mm-hmm. His dad was successful. His dad, so he was trying to meet those expectations. So anyway, moved back there. He struggled to try to keep his grades up, and he couldn't, and uh, so he had to drop out of school again. And he wanted to go back and do what he was doing with Conoco. He loved that job. And I said, I'll follow you to anywhere if that's Mm -hmm. what you want to do. But I'm ready to have a family if we're going to do that. Um, So we decided to start a family. Well, I started, I had infertility issues. I couldn't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just, there were some struggles. And I knew I wasn't in church. I knew that I wasn't following the Lord. 
uh, so he was out of town every other Sunday. So every other Sunday I went to church mm-hmm. and cause I just had that call and, uh, and I still prayed and I still wanted a relationship with God, but you know, I was living in two different worlds. Um, and then I prayed that the Lord would intervene and he did, uh, Steve had a boss that he had a lot of conflict with. He was out of town on a job, and he called him into his office and said, Hey, I think we struggle because I need to share Jesus with you. Oh, wow. And he did, and he invited him to church that Sunday, both of us. So we went to church with him that next Sunday, which was one of the churches I had been visiting. And... uh, through the next few months, Steve accepted the Lord, mm. and our whole marriage just changed overnight. But within three weeks of that, we were transferred to Utah, mm. from Oklahoma to Ogden, Utah. And I'm like, Lord, why? Mm-hmm. But we got up there and found a wonderful body of believers and a couple Carolyn and Danny Buster, I still remember their names, yeah. that took us in. Uh, and mentored us and taught us. And Steve just grew so fast in the Lord and just became a good, strong Christian. And we had a good family. Uh, I got pregnant just right after that. Mm. Karen was born. She was six months old. And then the Lord moved us to East Texas. Mm. Uh, Again, we got into a church there, was involved there for three years. Was Steve in the oil business too? Yes. Okay. And so then we got to East. Did you did you resent did you resent the moves? Got you still enjoyed the adventure. I of didn't it? understand it, but because we were a family now. Mm-hmm. Once Steve became a believer, I you know, and I I would have followed him anywhere. I really mm-hmm. we you know we were good together. Um, and then in Lufkin, we really built a life. When they were there for three years, and I and that was the longest I'd ever lived anywhere. Mm-hmm. I lived there three years. Wow, and. Karen was three. Three we, years in your entire life was in my the entire longest life. you'd ever lived yeah. anywhere. Wow. Yeah. And I was 24 by then. And I live in the house I grew up in, yeah. but it's fine. Yeah. So wow. we just, then he got the opportunity to move back to Ponca City, his hometown. Mm. A, a company up there offered him a job. And he always wanted to go back home. So we moved there thinking this, I was going to get my big house and, you know, this was going to be, uh, the we didn't. Anyway, we got there, really got involved in a church, um, wanted another child, more infertility issues. It was six years later before mm-hmm. we had our second daughter, Stephanie. Um, four years later, surprise, surprise, I get pregnant mm-hmm. again, and we have Brad. And at this time, we are been married 15 years, and it was a good Steve was a deacon of the church. We taught Sunday school. I taught, through the years, I taught uh, missions. We were in a Baptist church, so I taught girls in action and teen uh, act teens. We did, Steve led Bible studies. Uh, We just were very active in the church. Um, And at this point, I can just tell you, I think I was probably... Pride was probably a problem, a sin mm. there, because I was, I'm like, I have this perfect little family, mm-hmm. you know. I'm we, doing everything, everything. A, a good Midwestern you know? Christian and, girl's right, supposed to do. I'm raising my kids in the Lord. We pray together. We study God's word together. We're doing everything, you know, 
I've got, we're just right here. We're just good. And lo and behold, one day, uh, Steve tells me that he's having an affair. Hmm. Uh, totally, totally out of the blue, shocked. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, there's all those issues of who's to blame, what caused it, uh, and rejection, sure. all that. All that was there. But uh, I was determined, I was determined that I was going to fix this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were going to go on a retreat together and we were going to pray and we were going to get this settled and... If I just Take care hold on tight enough. Hold on tight enough. And I worked in a psychiatric office. I We had the best counseling. We were going to get this fixed. That, mm. uh, you know, I couldn't fix it. Steve wasn't in a place to fix it. He didn't have the desire to fix it. Mm. Uh, and so through this time, we... We really struggled. And, and how old were your kiddos at this point? Karen was, at that point, she was seventh grade. Oh, man. And uh, Bradley was two. Okay. And then Stephanie was six, six, two, six, and right in there. Um, Karen understood what was going on. I mean, we kept it from them for a long time because it, we separated and back and forth for over a year, mm-hmm. year and a half. And then it just continued. It would stop, and then it would continue. And his affair would continue. Yes, okay. yeah. And so I couldn't. I just had to say no, you know. And I tried the tough love. I tried. Uh, yeah, well, I tried and to, to pride. That feels like a slap across the face. Yes, because it feels like. I mean, there's a rejection component. There's the the surprise kind of. I should have known mm-hmm. that. That yep. feels weird and like yeah, yeah, confusing. All and and then of course just the Christian piece of you're supposed to stay married right absolutely I, this was this was not to happen um and certainly not to us no right <laughs> we had everything together <laughs> we did we did you know and that's yeah that's when it happens when you least expect it um so anyway it with within two years of him telling me i filed you know i filed for divorce mm. and then thinking that would you know, I kept doing things to get his attention. He wanted a wake-up call. Because he loved his children. Hmm. He, we were good parents. Hmm. We still, to the end, we've been good parents. That um, we just, he, it, it, as time goes on, he did not love himself. Hmm. It, he had a, was having a battle with himself. Mm-hmm. By the time it continued, I just felt rejected, mm-hmm. unloved. Because when you, as you know, when you're in a situation like that, you start throwing hurling insults at each other. Mm. And so, uh, anyway, we divorced. The divorce was final in October of '91, uh, right before our 18th wedding anniversary. Mm. Um, and, uh, he didn't marry the other woman. She was married and had three children. And so that didn't happen. Um, 
but at this point, I... Uh, did people in your community know? Like, did Yes. And she was also a member of our church. Mm. She... Uh, and it was a time in which, uh, again, you look back 30 years and you see that it was a time when you didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just r- put it under the rug and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today I believe, I would hope the people today in your community would, handle it would have come in and said, hey, what's going mm-hmm. on here? Mm-hmm. and speak to it instead of like, don't get too close. We don't want to catch it. Mm. And that's the way I, people left me, left us. Uh, Steve was totally rejected and pushed out mm. when he needed probably to have been pulled back in, you know. And so all those things, and that's in the past. And uh, But back to me. <laughs> I felt rejected, scared. I have a mortgage and three mm. kids. Uh, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, I quickly, a man asked me out, and I started dating a couple of times. And this guy came along, and he said nice things. He loved my kids. You were in a place of desperation, feeling quite emotional, scared, logistical. security, needed, all of that. Uh, and I thought, he loves me. He loves my kids. There's no baggage here. He didn't have, you know. And uh, so within a year and a half of our divorce, I remarried again. Hmm. Um, and I knew within the first year that it was a mistake. Uh, but I couldn't do this to my kids again. Uh, so I stayed in that marriage for 10 years. Um, and it was devastating to my younger children. Uh, but the marriage was, or the divorce, the marriage Mm. to the second man, um, the, not so much for Brad, but for Stephanie, my middle daughter, um, but still just the turmoil of that. Uh, Just because the relationship wasn't healthy. He was not. He was a man of conditional love. A Christian man that married me to be, to have this family that looked put together, I think. Mm -hmm. But anyway. But that was, I took that on me. It took me a long time to realize that I was not... In God's will. I was not seeking God when I was making decisions. Uh, though I was praying and Bible study and doing the godly mm-hmm. church things, I was making decisions for Terry. Hmm. I wasn't Listening. being led yeah. hmm. by God. And, you know, and it was sad because there were friends that later said, oh, we wondered, we th- hmm. And I'm like, why didn't you say that? Mm-hmm. And so today, I hope I'm a friend that can say to people, let's pray about this. Mm-hmm. Let's think about this. This is a big step in your life. Mm-hmm. Pause. Pause, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I think that's where we have, have evolved as a society. Mm-hmm. I hope with community groups and people 
that we are willing to do that and see something that just mm-hmm. doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. And don't be so fearful to not speak up. Because they're, oh, we don't want to hurt you. Well, it hurt me worse. Right. You know. I don't need your politeness. Right. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, um, when my second husband and I divorced, it was like a weight hmm. was lifted off. I was just like, <sighs> my son was 14. We moved into our house by ourselves. And hmm. uh, and I kind of got myself back together. Mm-hmm. And ask God for forgiveness for all that I had done, all the mistakes that I had made in not seeking him. But through all of this, from my divorce from Steve, uh, I had never forgiven myself for that either. Hmm. Or the other woman. You know, there was just a constant struggle there. And so those years were hard because of that also uh, and so I met Larry a couple of years after David and I my second husband and I divorced mm-hmm. and uh, he was just a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. uh, he had been divorced for a long time had raised his three girls and uh, was just a good solid man and uh so we dated about three years, and then we got married. But it felt it all felt right. It felt very different. It felt very different. Uh, and uh, then it, and we got married in 2005. In 2011, I, uh, again, I was, I've been carrying this unforgiveness, and uh, there was a girl that had babysat for our kids, Jamie Fisher, she was Jamie King at the time, that had wrote a book called Falling Chains about Hosea and mm. Gomer. And uh, she she was a pastor's wife, so we drove to Shawnee to listen to her talk. And that night, she is sharing this story, and all I could hear was God tell me to let the chains go mm. that that I didn't need to live with this rejection and mm. uh, shame and that I needed to offer I needed to forgive myself first and that to move on just I just needed to move on and that mm. he would forgive and I really I heard him clearly that he because I always felt like, because I was told or felt I could never serve God again Mm. because I was divorced. I was divorced twice. You know, my life, my children had made decisions that I wish they hadn't have made. Their lives weren't everything that my kids did wrong. I felt like you Karen were my (laughs) fault. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) She'll love that. She'll love that. No, I just, you know, we all do. I don't know if we all do this, but we do. Every time my Absolutely. children do anything that's wrong or bad or wrong choice, I'm like, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Sure, God's doing this because it's my. You know, mm-hmm. the sins of the parent go fall on their mm-hmm. children. Oh, sure. Or, or <laughs> even I was. Uh, there's something happened last week in our um, neighborhood that. Um, I was like feeling a great deal of empathy for a neighbor because 
of their child's behavior, which not that I don't even know what I didn't even talk to that neighbor. But in my mind, I'm like, if my child did that, I would be humiliated and also like be tearing his behind. And and I'm like, I don't even know if that's like a sin issue with that kid. I just know it would have embarrassed me. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, all that to say, I think sometimes we also like just in our like we are one step forward two steps back all of us in trying to model god's unconditional love yes we want to offer our kids unconditional love but the truth of the matter is your parents aren't the only or your second husband wasn't the only one that struggles with unconditional love right it's just like the human condition like absolutely um i i offer my kids unconditional love but also sometimes they embarrass me publicly That's my yes, daily yes. life, right, right? I think I'm embarrassed, uh, Larry, daily or, too. Or, 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 or it's and not, you know, like I just project yes. my own insecurities mm-hmm. on the people around me that reflect me to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, uh, I just really felt in that moment, in that time, that God released me of those chains. I mean, it was a definite feeling of that. Uh, to the point that the next Sunday in church during prayer, I felt God tell me to go to the other woman that had mm. the affair with Steve. Oh, you were still going to church with her? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And tell her that I forgot. I have waited. I had waited 20 years for her to ask my forgiveness. Oh, mm-hmm. And uh, I went to her and told her I forgave her. How did that go? She just, she didn't say a lot, but she hugged me and we are friends to this day. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, How did it feel for you to do that? Totally relieved. I mean, it was seriously, the chains fell Mm. and I, I never knew what that felt like, but I Mm -hmm. felt it that day. And, you know, in my prayer life for all those 20 years, forgive I forget, you know, I, I forgive her. And then you, you just take it back. You know how you, mm-hmm. for, you know, I'm going to take it back. I forgive it. I take it back. And it was gone. Mm. And within, so that was fall of 2011, almost a year later to the day, Stephen has, he remarried about the same time I did my second time. He moved to North Carolina. He called me uh, to tell me that he had pancreatic cancer. And Polly had six months to a year and that the kids would need me and he needed me to know first. Mm. And we had, I'll back up, Steve and I had, if you can have an ideal divorce, we had it. Mm. We respected each other. We treated each other well. Uh, Our children were our number one priority. And I think all three of my kids will say we were not products of a broken marriage as far as our parents mm. were concerned sure. they we we did it right mm-hmm. we did do that well right. and the, i mean i think the truth of like the human condition is that we're all um people that have the capacity to do great things and the capacity mm-hmm. to do great harm mm-hmm. and we we often operate in both mm-hmm. right absolutely and um and so very good people with good hearts mm-hmm. do really horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm one of those people yes. that mm-hmm. does horrible things. Yes. I, I, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the, on the, 
on the podcast before, but Laura's heard me say this. My epitaph will read, she meant well. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. Right? Yeah, right. And I, Absolutely. And I'm like, I think, I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Even in our, like, even in our failings, we meant well, mm-hmm. you know, we're yep. just, we're not, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. sinners. Mm-hmm. Saved by grace. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, so Christmas, I called him, it was two weeks before Christmas and I said, you know, the kids are coming and he said, yeah, would you come? Would you and Larry also come? Hmm. So Larry and I and all the kids wow. and grandkids drove to North Carolina and spent a week with Steve and Glenda uh, and we healed those from that time that he was diagnosed. Uh, we talked a lot. We went over our failures, what we mm. did right, what we did wrong, and how we both would wished we had, things had been different. I was thought I'd cried this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was good. It was a good healing. That's really neat. And how incredible for you to model that to your adult children Mm -hmm. and to your grandkids, like the capacity for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really special. That's really, really cool. Like to be able, I can't imagine how hard that would have been to step into that space for you. Um, And then, but to be able to do that for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so I hope they know, and I think they did. That we both truly did love each other, and but life happens, mm-hmm. and your choices in life make a difference. So it's important that you mm-hmm. examine your choices mm-hmm. um, because it does affect a lot of people. Uh, and unfortunately, he he passed away in May of that year. So he mm-hmm. lived about six months uh, from his diagnosis. Uh, Mac was the last grandchild. Jack, Peter, and Mac were the three grandchildren that he did get to know. Um, but, you know, that was a healing time for me where I felt God totally wrap his arms around me. Mm-hmm. And and Larry, and Larry was such a part of that, too. He, Larry and Steve were friends. Um and for Larry to do that with me, to go that journey with me, mm. was says a lot for who he is and his oh, character, yeah. for sure. Uh, so we've... I don't know where to go from here. T- uh, Terry, did you, you mentioned pre-podcast that you felt like, like you went on a journey today like of like what God wanted you to share. Did you share those things? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to make sure that we like yeah because I was like have you I, ever I, I, I feel like this feels led the free mm-hmm. yeah but. yeah the, the because that's when God did show up big for mm-hmm. me if you want you know that question and what's, what's really cool is that this part of Terry's story she didn't share mm. at at the women's retreat and yeah. um that yeah. that's 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 yeah. really neat I'm Thank so you. glad that God kind of revealed that to you mm-hmm. today yeah that that's the part of it the piece yeah yeah. Were you ever able to share with the author of, was it Fallen yes. Chains? Yes, Fallen Chains. In fact, Jamie, uh, she was in the sixth grade, the summer I needed a sitter. 
and she lived close to us, and so she came over and babysat. And she is now the wife of the president of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baptist General Convention. Okay. <laughs> but she is just the sweetest, sweetest, yeah, lady. Yeah. That's neat. So I, you serve right now in the church mm-hmm. in, at DBC. You mm-hmm. serve with the f- food pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you feel um, like? How did you get involved in that? Well, again, I read what, what what's available, who needs what. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something I could do during the day. So I would go on Tuesdays, got to know Trisha. We were in life group together at the time. Uh, and I just jumped in and when I see a need I do it uh, and and I, I enjoy it I, like I said uh, I'm searching there's so many opportunities mm-hmm. uh, and if we think about how you one of the questions is how you're gifted mm-hmm. and I'm told Larry I don't think I have any gifts what are my gifts <laughs> I can tell you right now that's not true. Yeah. Well, you did you hear the episode? I probably mentioned it multiple times about me talking, calling Kyle Beelzebub whenever he did the spiritual <laughs> And I, I was like, hey, just like stop looking at the numbers, like the gross numbers, because mine yeah. are very inflated. Yes, yes. <laughs> Anything you put zero for, I probably put three, but yeah, yeah. zero. Yes, okay. yeah. Three is equivalent to zero in my world. I just have an inflated ego. Go. Well, so, and so I think my gift and Larry affirmed, I, affirmed. Well, he told me, I'm like, well, that's what I was thinking. So that mm-hmm. worked out. Um, I feel because of my life's journey and what I've been through, I, I think I have the gift of hospitality and encouraging. And and I think that's something God has gifted me with because of my life experiences that I hope I see people in need and can smile at them today mm-hmm. or give them a word of encouragement. Well, I've, I've already said I, I feel that that's true too because, like I said, I don't, I don't think um, – it doesn't mean that, I mean, a thousand people have come up to me and said something about somebody's podcast. Not everybody comments and not that that mm-hmm. means anything, but yeah. I'm like the fact that you take the time to do that really means mm-hmm. something to those women. Um, and I, and I've noticed that, like I've noticed mm-hmm. that for years. Thanks. It's so kind. It's, mm-hmm. um, it is, is so encouraging. And especially when, when people feel vulnerable to, yeah. to be able to see, that they they need you to whisper in their ear, great job. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what something over the years too, the people I remember in my life are those that came along beside me Mm -hmm. when I was struggling, encouraged me and wrote me that note. And so Mm. sometimes it's hard to do. I'm like... Or just take the time to do it. Take the time to Mm -hmm. do it. And so I try to be intentional where in the past I would think about it and not mm-hmm. do it, especially when I worked. You know, I worked for many years and I had a busy life, and I would get irritated at myself for not taking the time. So I have the time, and so those things that I didn't do, I want to be sure that I do now. Mm. But I, I love kids, and I want them to know the gospel, and I want young people to do. There's so many things that I want to do. You have to just harness it. I just got to find... <laughs> Right See now, where God's Don's, working and join Don's like, it. you yeah. can harness it in children's yes. ministry. <laughs> I couldn't do it with the mask, though. I tried all those things. The mask did me in. Mm-hmm. 
I feel that. <laughs> is there any big ask prayer um, that you have now? My my prayer, my my constant prayer daily is for my children and my grandchildren to mm-hmm. know the Lord. And so that's always a prevalent par- prayer for me, that they will see uh, how important that is and really love the Lord, not just know mm-hmm. but to really love Him. And my prayer, I guess, is that Larry and I will find, as we've, on our last, I don't want to call this our last journey, are we that old yet? <laughs> <laughs> our last journey, uh, that we'll find where God really wants us to serve uh, and enjoy these last years together. Well, I just want to tell you, like, you have been such an encouragement to me. Mm-hmm. I know for sure that if Laura was ever on social media, that you would be an encouragement to her. But truly... You're an yeah. encouragement to me just tonight. Yes. Thank you. I I have um, I have enjoyed getting to know you, Lo, these three years. And um, I'm so glad that I actually know you mm-hmm. in, in the flesh now. Um you are an absolute delight. We are so blessed to have you at our church. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on and bear yeah. of riches. You're welcome. This was the scariest thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> you did so great. I barely, I didn't need to talk. You did so great. You really did. You really did such a good job. Um, and we're, we're, we're just so grateful um, that you're willing to share your story and um, just, just love seeing what God's done Um in your life, and it's no wonder you're such a delight. Mm-hmm. He showed up there big. Yeah, he did. So anyone who listens to this better go comment on Terry's episode <laughs> and give some encouragement back. Because when you get, when you eventually come on here, Terry's going to comment on yours, right? <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. <laughs>